Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they who are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they who are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And we're going to jump right to verse 4. Because we, we, went, we already covered verses 1 through 3. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Tells us that the law of Moses contained righteousness, as would be obvious considering that it was given by God. However, for its righteousness to be obtained by man, perfect obedience had to be rendered, which was impossible because of the weakness of the flesh. The law is not weak. The law is perfect, holy, righteous, just. We're the problem. The law is not the problem. We are the problem. Remember we talked about the law acts like that black salve that would go on a wound and it would draw the corruption to the surface. The ointment isn't the problem. The law isn't the problem. We're the problem. The sin nature. The fact that we are fallen creatures. That's the problem. The law of God was meant to be a beautiful picture of who God is up until Christ came. The law of God pictured what Christ was. Pictured what God was. Perfect. So the fact that we can't keep the law tells us that we are not like God. That's kind of as far as it was ever meant to go. We are not like God. And it's not a revelation to me. If you are my wife, you would know that I am not like God. <laughs> my wife has no problem. She would have no problem saying, you are darn right. You are not like God. God's perfect and I ain't. <laughs> thing all the time. I have fallen. That's what the law showed us. We are fallen creatures. We are, we do not look anything like we were originally created to be. Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall, before sin entered the world, did, didn't operate like we operate. <clears throat> 
We're messed up. I'm messed up. And the law of God shows me I'm not like God. And no matter how hard I try to set out to keep it, the only thing that it will continuously show me over and over and over and over and over again is what? I am not God. <laughs> I am not God. I am not like God. The law was meant to bring us somewhere. The end of ourselves. And say, I need I need, I need to be saved. I need, I need, I need a savior. I need, I need something outside of myself. The phrase might be fulfilled in us could be translated, find its full accomplishment in us, not merely be performed by us. It does not mean to be performed by us. So it does not say that the righteousness of the law might be performed by us. That is not what it says. What it means is that the righteousness of the law might find its full accomplishment in us. Meaning that the aim of God in giving the law might be accomplished in us in our sanctification which is the ultimate end of our redemption. The purpose of God giving the law was so that we might see that we are lost, we are fallen, we are sinners, we need to be saved, then to run to the Savior who is Jesus, and then sanctification to, have to be next, and then glorification. The law is just like the very beginning, just roll the snowball down the hill. And then it runs its course. But you didn't need the law after that. The law is your schoolmaster and it brings you to Christ. Once the schoolmaster brings you to the goal, you don't turn around and go back to the schoolmaster. When I graduated high school, the next step was not go back to high school. That schooling was done. High school ran its course and fulfilled its purpose for me. There's no need to go back to high school. But yet, that's exactly what we do as believers. The law runs its course, brings us to Christ because it is the schoolmaster. And then once we get to Christ, we've met the Savior. And the law says, my job is done. Because I've, the law is meant to bring you to Christ, to show you your sinfulness, that you need a Savior. And then the Ten Commandments, that part of the law will show you. That's the moral part of the law. 
the ceremonial part of the law, the sacrificial system, all of that pointed to Christ. So when, it, it, when an Israelite would break one of the commandments, he would have to offer a sacrifice. By breaking the commandment, he would have to offer a lamb for his sin. Breaking the commandment led to Christ. If you understood it all correctly. But yet we, once we get to the Lamb, then we just turn back around and go like that. To the law. Because in order to be right with God, I have to keep this. But you can't have it both ways. You're either, you're either clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which is greater, or you're not. Now what that doesn't mean is you just do whatever you want. We, we still want to be like Christ, amen? You, that desire is still there. You're born again. That desire is still there. I want to be more like Jesus. But just because I find myself being obedient for a week, if I make it that long, for a week, doesn't mean that all of a sudden I can start standing on my own righteousness. It's either His or not. And if it's not His, then that means it has to be yours, which doesn't just mean that God is only going to decide to look at that one week <laughs> that you did good, or so you thought you did good. He's going to say, okay, so your first breath to your last breath, <laughs> that eliminates every single one So we can't have it both ways. But we do, as believers, that's exactly what we do. But we just cloak it in everything under the sun to make it sound great. But we just turn it back to the law, thinking that if I keep it, God will be pleased with me if I keep it. God's pleased with faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And for the longest time, because we haven't been taught right, we think that in order to please God, let's praise God. I'm not going to watch any movies. Because <laughs> that's pleasing to God. It's not pleasing to God to watch movies. That is worldly. I want to be pleasing to God. See, the enemy will use a good desire just like he did with Eve. Eve wanted to be just like God. That's why he said, if you eat that, you'll be just like him. That's what Eve wanted. That was a desire of her heart and a good one. What did he lie to her? But... He took that good desire and did what he is an expert at. Yeah. Twisted. Yeah. 
And with a good desire, sin entered the world. Sin didn't enter the world through an evil desire, through a good. So it comes to us the same exact way. He doesn't need new weapons because he's just a lot smarter than us. He's been around a lot longer than us. And for my own self, I are dumb. <laughs> He'll take a good desire, a desire that is good. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. When I want the Lord to look down upon me and be pleased with me. On a daily basis. And then here comes the enemy. If you want to be, if you really want to be pleasing to God, then you need to keep your hair really short. My desire is to be pleasing to God. Remember, I'm born again. Yes. If you really want to be pleasing to God, you need to read the Bible through in one year. It'll be very beneficial for you to read the Bible through in one year. I'll just, I'll tell you that. But I won't tell you a lie which says that you'll be more pleasing to God. That's right. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith in Christ and the cross. But we, we so easily just get now I understand full well why in the Lord's Prayer which is a brilliant prayer pattern says lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now the Lord doesn't lead anybody into temptation so it seems a bit worded kind of weird lead us not into temptation Lord don't let me go my own way I'm going to just tell you that's a lot better Lord don't let me go my own way don't let me deceive myself keep me in your way deliver me from the snare of the foul. Deliver me from the trap, the snare of the evil Because I can't always see coming. Deliver me from my own stinking thinking. Deliver me from myself. I, I don't know if y'all know this, you probably don't. If you're my wife, you would. I'm a fool. I'll deceive myself quicker than anybody else. Oh, I just, I will. Because I are dumb. I'm not that smart. I'm only 28 years old. And, and when it comes to being born again, maybe four or five years. 
Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. We can receive it by the simple act of faith. Righteousness of God is received by faith. Or the next one. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The righteousness of the law cannot be had by anyone who attempts to obtain such by his own efforts. See, it's really important to keep that verse all together. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That right there tells us how it's done. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk after the spirit. The, what that, the righteousness of the law will not be fulfilled in us who walk after the flesh. But yet I have just told you, and I've, we've seen it in, earlier in the book of Romans, that in order to have the righteousness of the law, from your first breath to your last breath, if it's on your doing, You've got to be perfect. And that's not possible. So, take all of that and bring it into this verse. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Well, it's not by doing, because... That already eliminates me. And earlier we've seen that he, Paul said that the righteousness by faith in chapter 5, I believe, by faith. Okay, so that the righteousness of the law, who Christ himself is the only one who's ever kept perfectly. Oh, but I remember because of what Calvary says, that he was my substitute. Yes. That he took my place. And that when he was crucified, I was crucified. When he was buried, I was buried. When he was raised, I was raised. And he kept the law perfectly from his first breath to his last breath. And he is my substitute. What's true of Christ becomes true of me because I'm in him. I'm hidden in Christ Jesus. I'm in the rock. When the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. Because I'm in Jesus. So when he looks at Tanner, what he sees is a perfect law keeper because he sees Jesus. Because I'm hidden in him. I'll tell you right now, you won't see it. My wife 
won't see it. She may see glimpses of me having righteousness realized. She will see glimpses of the fruit of the Spirit. But what she will also see is my failures, my faults, my shortcomings. But if she's spiritual, she'll view me through the lens yeah. of Calvary. Yes. And she'll say, he's in Christ Jesus. Yes. And that when God the Father looks upon him, he sees Jesus, a perfect law keeper. And then she can get excited. It means... That when God the Father looks at her, he sees the same exact thing. Jesus kept the law perfectly for you and for me. And by faith in the finished work of Calvary, by faith is the only way that I can receive that righteousness. By faith is the only way that I can fulfill the righteousness of the law. By faith alone. So that means that walking after the spirit and walking after the flesh have to fit in there somehow, somewhere. They cannot be separate. So I cannot then say that walking after the spirit is doing or not doing. Because I can't get righteousness by doing or not doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just have to be willing. When I was taught about, but well, when I heard it preached before, walking after the flesh is if you if you if you if you're watching too much TV, you're walking after the flesh. If you are going. To the bowling alley, you walk after the flesh. Uh -oh. <laughs> if you wear shorts, uh -oh. you're walking after the flesh. You're walking after the flesh. If you do that, it's ridiculous. My goodness. You just, you're worldly. I said, okay, well, if that's the thinking, well, tell me what walking after the Spirit is. Walking after the Spirit is reading your Bible. Walking after the Spirit is praying. Wait, so both of those are doing and don't, but yet Scripture says that I can't receive righteousness by what I do, but what I believe. Right. Yeah. So something's not right. Those two don't line up. How is it that I can receive the righteousness of Christ by believing, but yet I walk after the flesh or the spirit by what I do? But yet the scripture says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And later on, for they that... For they who are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they who are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And then we see later on carnally minded, spiritually minded. Oh, this is up. 
Because walking after the flesh has nothing to do with doing. Walking after the spirit has nothing to do with doing. It has to do with believing. That's why it, the, the idea it says carnally, not carnally doing. Carnally minded. Car, being carnally minded is going to lead to some doing. Being spiritually minded is going to also lead to some doing, but the doing is just the fruit of... Right. Yeah, right. But we put the emphasis on the doing and not... Yeah. We just put the emphasis on the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that there won't be some doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There should be some doing yeah. from what what you're walking after. You can, we're going to see some. If somebody's walking after the flesh, I will be able to see it if I understand the Word of God correctly. The only way to fulfill the law is in Christ. The righteousness demanded by the law is now fulfilled in Christ. Go to that already. That word after, you got it on your handout. That word after in the Greek is therefore you has a root meaning down, which suggests domination. So, who walk not dominated by the flesh, but dominated by the Spirit. This thing <laughs> that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not dominated by the flesh, but dominated by the Spirit. A Christian is someone who orders his behavior in such a way that it is not dominated by the evil nature, but by the Holy Spirit. As a great portion of this chapter constantly warns the believer as to the possibility and danger of walking after the flesh. Such presents the greatest moral fact of the existence of these two natures in the believer. In a sense, the believer is dead, for he was crucified with Christ. He therefore, as a partner with Christ, enjoys all the advantages of that partnership acquired by Christ before he was brought into it. This is not necessarily an experience. It is rather a divine operation apprehended and enjoyed by faith. However, the believer is always conscious that his carnal nature is not dead, but that between it and the new spiritual nature he received at conversion, there is a deadly warfare that really never stops. If the carnal nature were actually dead, it would not be necessary to urge Christians to make no provision to gratify its appetites. If the flesh was dead, we would never see Paul tell Timothy, don't make any provision for the flesh. Mm -hmm. Well, how, well that, that doesn't make any sense. If the flesh is dead, how? Because, and I've said it before, and, and really this just brings it home even harder. The flesh isn't dead. You are. You are dead to it. Yeah. 
The sin nature is not dead. You are dead to it. Sin is not dead. I've heard ministers say that, well, this, you know, what, just, you know, a random sound, just a sin. Uh, lust, I'll just throw lust out there. That lust is dead. Lust has been crucified. No, you've been crucified to it. Right. It's not dead. It's still very much alive. If, if sin was dead, what temptation would you have? That doesn't make sense. It's not that it's dead. You're dead to it. If someone is dead, if I were to be dead, buried in the ground, and you were to bring, and my dad were to bring alcohol across my grave, alcohol is not dead, but it has no effect on me. Why? I'm dead. <laughs> but yet, alcohol is still there. That's true. We've gotten it flipped. So what happens is we get discouraged, disappointed, and we think something's not right. This ain't right. When the temptation comes and we fail. Because I thought it was dead. No, you're dead. Act dead. You're, you are dead. Believe it. The problem is not that it isn't dead. The problem is you are not dying. Because you don't believe. That's where, that's where it just hits you in the heart. Because of unbelief. No, that can't be it. You're not as spiritual as you think you are. Well, I'm not as mature and spiritual as I think I am. I just, I just tell on myself. I'm going to preach hard. Let's preach it hard right here. I use myself as an example. So I'll say for that way. Because I'm in the same sanctification process you're in. We're in the same boat. Trying to get to the same destination. I'm not higher or lower in the same boat. There are things that come across that come across my path on a daily basis. Sometimes I do good, sometimes I give in. What is it? You don't need to know that. <laughs> Brother Larson said, sin is a buffet, eat off of your own plate. <laughs> But on my plate, sometimes it comes across and sometimes when my faith is right and I believe it, my faith is anchored in Calvary that I've been crucified with Christ, buried with Him, raised unto newness of life and I believe it and I act like it because I believe it. This is the whole idea of the book of James. If you believe it, act like you believe it. 
Not just, I can't believe it. Praise God. I believe Jesus died for me on the cross. Praise God. I believe in the cross. Why don't you act like it? Because you're just professing with your mouth, but your heart Oh, even the demons believe. Yes, true. Abraham believes so much. That he didn't bring a lamb up the mountain with him. Because true faith is going to have some of the souls. My faith is truly in Christ and the cross. We should be seeing some results. And if no results are happening, you need to check to see if you be in the faith. Tanner. See, you preaching myself. Me. Sometimes the temptation comes across, and other days, look. And I'm like, man, I thought that was dead. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be dead. Yeah. Not it. I, I believe that it's a wrong teaching. To say that it's, it's not dead. It's not dead. The sin nature is not even dead. It's silenced, but it's not dead. You're dead to it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's still there. But you're dead to it. You, Brother Larson gave this example, and to be honest, for the lack of a better one, this is just a really good example. Brother Larson, before he met his wife, he was in another relationship, not, not immediately, but back in the day, he would have been in another relationship with a, another girl. That relationship ended. The girl did not die. She's still probably alive somewhere. She's still alive. Brother Larson is very much still alive. But yet the relationship is not alive. It's dead. Brother Larson is dead to the relationship. She's not dead. He's not dead. But he's dead to the relationship. We're dead to the relationship that we once had with the sin nature. Before salvation, we were in a committed relationship with the sin nature. Whatever. We just went that way, baby. <laughs> but then once you got saved, you noticed the difference in that relationship immediately. Because in Christ, you've received the circumcision made without hands. And there's been a separation between you and the sin nature. It did not say that the sin nature is dead. It said 
you. It does not say that the sin nature was crucified. It says you. Alcohol did not get crucified in my life. I got crucified to it. The old tanner didn't even get crucified. I was crucified to the old tanner. When a desire, a thought process, an urge that represents the old tanner that would have been what I was before I got saved comes across my path on a daily basis, I don't freak out. Oh, I'm not saved. <laughs> yes, I am. That's just the old man trying to rear its head because it's still alive. But the difference is I'm dead to that relationship. That's it. That's good. So even if he comes across my path, we don't have that relationship anymore. And I don't have to do nothing. Because I'm free. I don't have to do nothing that I once did. No matter how strong the urge feels, I ain't got to do nothing. Because I'm the one that's dead. Because I'm just flatlining. Do I do it perfectly on a daily basis? No, that's my whole growth of sanctification. <laughs> to walk in it better on a daily basis. There are going to be days I'm going to blow it. <laughs> There's going to be days I'm not going to blow it. Because His grace. Dying is hard work. <laughs> but through it, that's the best part about being dead. Yeah. When I blow it, or if I'm successful, I'm still just... Whether I'm doing good or failing, it doesn't change for me. I'm in Christ Jesus. Oh yeah, but you blew it today. I ain't losing my salvation. Because I'm going to keep believing. I'm in Christ Jesus. Clothed. In his righteousness. When the temptation came today, did I succeed? Nope. I blew it. You know, guess what I found out? I'm not God. Shocker. If my wife blows it, guess what I found out about my wife? She's not God. And I don't expect her to be. I expect her to be in Christ Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. And just keep growing. Just keep growing. If she blows it, honey, get up. You are in Him. Clothed in a robe of righteousness. And you're not God. Good news. You're not God. You don't have to be perfect. And I don't expect you to be perfect. She... The same for me. Yeah. That makes marriage great. Yes. <laughs> By the way, just I'm only a year into it, but 
While it is true that the contest between the flesh and the spirit is unending, if we follow after Christ exactly as we should, we are made to enjoy a rest that is actually beyond comprehension. A beautiful picture of the flesh and the spirit and the never-ending battle is in the Old Testament shocker. I know. <laughs> the uh, Malachites are actually a uh, type of the flesh. Remember Joshua and the Israelites fight the Amalekites. They just out of nowhere come and attack him. And Moses is up there. And he's got a, every time he holds his yeah. rod up, yeah. Yeah. the Israelites win. Yeah. Every time he yeah. puts that rod down, the Amalekites win. The flesh wins. Yeah. Moses was getting tired. They made him sit on a rock, who is type of Christ. So now Moses, instead of standing and laboring, is in a place of rest. Resting upon the Savior. Resting upon Jesus, the rock. Holding his hands up, a type of surrender. And in his hands is the rod, which is a type of the word of God, which is also a type of Calvary because the whole word of God from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-something is <laughs> all about Calvary. Jesus and Calvary. It's all about Christ and what he would do at the cross. So as Moses is resting upon Christ, Surrendering to the cross, the work of Calvary, the Holy Spirit comes alongside. When you got her and uh, Aaron. Aaron, thank you. You should be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> you got her and Aaron. They helped hold Moses' hands up. The Holy Spirit will help you surrender to Calvary yes. when you are resting on the rock yes. who is Jesus. When yes. you are resting on Christ yes. and surrendering to the work of Calvary, the Spirit, yes. Israel, is defeating the flesh. That means, guess what? You're being dominated by the spirit and not the flesh. Right. When it went down though, the flesh, when there was no resting on, the, on Christ, no resting on the work of Christ, no surrendering to Calvary, the work of Calvary, the flesh prevails. At the end of that, if you remember, God said that the war will be unending. That's what it said. That promised to make war forever. But he would be with them. He would be with them. 
And all throughout Israel's history, guess who just kept on coming around? Yeah. It's, that's not going to end. That means we better learn what walking after the Spirit yeah. is. Yeah. Because the war won't end until we are glorified. Praise God, I can't wait for that. So the subject of this chapter is not the forgiveness of sins or justification from them, but rather liberation from the power of sin in order to live a life of sanctification. To the believer, the spirit of life is imparted, which is the new spiritual nature. The righteous requirements of the law cannot be satisfied by anyone who walks after the flesh who is controlled by the principle of sin in the flesh, but only by him who is controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit energizes the great truths of Calvary in the heart and life of the believer, bringing them to their full potential, realizing this great victory purchased by Christ. However, if the believer does not know this truth, there is very little the Holy Spirit can do. To make matters worse, the believer, ignorant of Romans 6, 7, and 8, sets out and works furiously within his own strength, attempting to bring about victory and constantly failing. This frustrates the grace of God and keeps the Holy Spirit from doing what he alone can do. The work of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. It's just potential. If it was automatic, none of us would ever sin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, contrary to what some people teach, this is not automatic. <laughs> uh, if it was, it would be, be a bit easier. <laughs> but it's just potential. Because, like I said, if it was automatic, no believer would ever sin. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So we won't be sinning, wouldn't lead us into sin. So it can't be automatic, otherwise we'd never mess up. Yeah. We would live perfect. So that means it has to be potential, which also means that we can hinder it yeah. or we can help it. 